0: Good morning, Springbrook. Good to see you on this cold and rainy day. It's always wonderful we come together and worship the Lord. Today we are starting a new series on parenthood. Now look at this number. 233,610. What do you think that's significant for? What do you think that money goes toward well it goes toward raising a child yeah that was at least in I think 2016 that's how so much it cost if you were to start out that particular year i saw mon and kathy villa back there and they have a precious young child monica i didn't want to break the news to them but <laughs> and i think of the boys and triplets that we have here at springbrook i don't tell them That is a pricey investment, isn't it? It's a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of pain, and a lot of energy. Yeah, it takes a lot to be a parent. But what is the result? A priceless experience of being able to invest in a child's life. You are called by God to raise this child. To know Him. And to live in a way that glorifies Him. There is no greater privilege than that. But there's no doubt it is challenging. Mark Twain said, When they are thirteen, put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut. Then feed them through the knothole. That was his advice. He said, when they are 16, plug the not (laughs) all. Our teens are with us. What do you guys think of that, huh? (laughs) What is a parent's priority? Well, a parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parents until their dependence rests solely on God. Oh, uh, you have a baby, and you got to do everything. But a kid, I do everything. And uh, but but again, over a period of eighteen twenty years, your job is to transfer their dependence upon you as parents, and to transfer it onto God. And many times that doesn't happen because in our culture, it's all about independence, right? It's all about what I can do, what I can do with my life, and. Things that I can accomplish, and uh, but that's not what God wants. He wants you to teach your children about Him, and have them become a child of God, and then to live in such a way that they move out into the world that they can depend upon Him, their heavenly Father. And that is so important these days, as our culture continues. Uh, to, again, be far, far from what the Scripture says about sex. I mean, think about that, the messages that are sent. And that's why it's so important as we move into the future that we train our children to be godly. Let's talk about effective parenting. First of all, you have to love your God. Moses was speaking to the Israelites, and he repeats the law just before they go into the promised land, a very pagan land. I mean, they sacrifice children to gods. I mean, yeah, you don't you, you don't want any part of them. He said, "Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In fact, that's called the Shema. Hero Israel, thar, our Lord, our God, the Lord is one." So they would say that and pray that three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. Why would God have them say that three different times? Because we all need to be constantly reminded there's a God who loves us, who wants to help us, and we should be dependent upon Him because it's the only way really you can live this life even going through trials and, and challenges. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Wow. It doesn't say love the Lord your God the best you can. <laughs> but love the Lord your God at least 50%. No, it says... Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Love God with everything that you've got. So the question is, how much do we love God? Well, let's just take this past week. How much time did you spend nurturing a relationship with Jesus Christ? Think about it. Bible, memory, Bible, study, prayer. Did you talk with God this week? I'm sure in this crowd there are some people that didn't even talk to God this week. Well, if you didn't even talk to God, it shows that you don't really love Him as much as you should. Because He wants us to live in dependence upon Him. To call out to Him the trust in Him for the supernatural in our lives. And so... You can just take a week or a month and say, okay, this is how much time I spent, you know, my personal uh, walk with God. This is how much time I spent with the disciple making family at Springbrook. And, uh, yeah, it gives a little bit of taste of it. And it really is challenging. Really is challenging. I mean, you have a child, a beautiful child, and you're listening to the culture and what your peers are saying. The first thing is, You're going to need a whole lot of money. I can remember doing the finances and uh, diaper and formula. (laughs) That hurts, right? And you get an idea, oh, wow, this kid's going to cost a lot of money. And they do. So we need to continue to help them to understand who God is. And so the challenge is, is that we, you know, we build our careers because we say, OK, I've got to really do well in my career so we can have enough money to give our child all the opportunities they have to save for college, all that kind of thing. So you, you go out there and you build your career when really it's kind of selfish. You want to build your career. <laughs> you also want to provide for your kids. And then all these opportunities come up in life. All these activities that your kids can be involved in. And all the other parents, their kids are involved in three or four activities. And, you know, I've got to have my kid involved in three or four activities, whether it be baseball or uh, soccer, basketball, being uh, in the band, uh, playing some type of music, acting, you name it. There's all kinds of great things our children can be involved in. But the problem is is that when we're done with our child's scheduling we say there's no time for church. There's no time for the disciple making family. And you know what's happened? Is you have become a child-centered family. A child-centered family. And that Is extremely unhealthy and unbiblical. They say, well, I'm just taking care of my kids. But, no, your first responsibility is to God. You should be a God centered family, right? Relationship with Jesus Christ and living as a family, seeking uh, to please Him. Uh, But again, we get caught with the culture's message. You gotta make your children happy. You gotta have them involved in all of these different things. In fact, Edward the Duke of Windsor said, the thing that impresses him most about America is the way the parents obey their children. <laughs> but isn't that true? Haven't you witnessed other people thinking like, what are you doing? <laughs> the kid already thinks he's the center of the universe and you are enforcing it. You're creating him to be a God. Yeah, we we struggle with that here in the states. But the thing is, you do all those other things, but you have no time for disciple making uh, gatherings with kids their own age and wanna and Thrive and Jam, junior high and senior high, and being here at church every Sunday, making that a priority. I mean, of course, you know some, some people say, "Well, my kids don't want to come." I say, "What?" Oh, my kids don't want to come. You ask them to come? No, you tell them to come. I mean, what if your kid got up in the morning and said, I I don't feel like going to school. Oh, that's okay, honey. Yeah, I know you don't feel good for school, so you just take it easy, right? (laughs) No! And that's the nature of, of training your children in godliness, that you have to lead them. You have to say, hey, our family is committed to Jesus Christ, and our family is committed to bringing up our children in a disciple-making family. Again, we we want to help you out here. We really do. We've got great, great ministries. We've got Kids of the Kingdom on Sunday for the little ones, and then we have Thrive for high schoolers on Sunday night. And we've got an awesome youth pastor, and awesome children directors that do an excellent job. I'm just so proud of them. And then, of course, we have a one on Wednesday nights. All right? A one on Wednesday nights—a great way to train your children in godliness. But well, what we have seen over the years is they're too busy; they can't come; they can't make it that night. And parents are not putting the priority on discipling their kids. If you're going to train your kids, yeah, it's going to hurt. You're going to go sometimes where you don't want to go, but you're going to go. Church is even more important than school. Is that true in your family? Is church more important than school? It should be. Parents in this area put so much stress on their children <laughs> with academics. I've heard all kinds of of stories. Why? Why are you so committed to, to have them succeed academically and do their homework and do their best? And sometimes parents pressure their children more than they should. And the children are just trying to keep up. What if, what if your main intent was not that your kid would get a scholarship to some school or that they would be the best Uh, Or you think they're actually going to make it into whatever, the major leagues or the NFL. A lot of people, parents, believe this. Okay. Hey, the odds are not good. All right? The odds are not good for it to happen. At the same time, they can enjoy sports. The thing is, is you say, okay, I as a parent, the main thing that God wants me to do is train my child In godliness, train my child in godliness. So that will be the number one thing I'll do. And if our church offers something for our children, we'll make Wednesday nights. Oh, but practice get this team, that activity? No, no. This is a a group you need to be part of. Other kids who are loving and serving God and fantastic volunteer leaders who are loving the kids, and it's just wonderful because they're surrounded by Christian adults, and they see what a Christian should look like and experience that relationship. And then high school will thrive on, on Sunday nights. Well, that's so important for kids at that age. I mean, it just gets more and more complicated to raise a child in a godly way. And uh, Matt Johnson, uh, our youth pastor, uh, again, he and Jessica and others who are involved there, they're doing a great job. Like my youth pastor, when I was growing up, uh, we were very privileged to have them as well as uh, our children, uh, directors, uh, doing their work in order to build up your children. And then we have our junior high on Thursday night. Now, when Lori and I you know, became parents, those were, those were just, uh, <laughs> they were non-negotiable. Okay? Even when our kids didn't want to go, and many times they didn't want to go, we said, I'm sorry, you're going. Just like you go to school, it's part of our life. I mean, training is hard, isn't it? Many of you have trained in many different areas of your life and you've built up an expertise and a skill. And you should be proud of that, that God blessed you in that way. But we need to understand that God is the one who is at the center of our lives. In a study done about moms and dads, and if their kids will continue in the church when they're adults, if mom and dad went to church, 72% of the kids will as adults. If mom only went to church, 15% of the kids will as adults. If dad only went to church, 55% of the kids will as adults. If neither mom nor dad, 6% of kids will as adults. not that interesting? What does that say about a father's leadership? Well, kids are heavily influenced by their father in many areas, and especially in the area of faith. And so if they see their father engaged, oh, man, you know, They're going to see it as really important. But the father is unengaged. Well, it goes the other way. And again, for you who are single mothers and uh, going along, trying to raise your kids, you know, God compensates for this type of thing. But the point is, is that if you're a dad here, okay, and you have kids, uh, (laughs) as I say all the time, all you have to do is show up, right? Right? Just show up every week. Make sure your family is a part of our disciple-making process. Make our other activities uh, an important thing. Like we had paintball. Oh, we should have more people going on paintball. Right? Who likes paintball out there? Now you have to wait till next year. But <laughs> So, yeah, we need to lead our kids, men. And t- many times men feel... Inferior when it comes to spiritual things, uh, usually the woman leads the way, and and men, you just need to humbly come, because we're all in the same learning together and growing together. And I tell you what, making sure your family is in church every Sunday, will will just transform your kids. It will, because. The Holy Spirit is within us working away and developing uh, godly kids. Proverbs 27 The righteous who walks in integrity, blessed are his children after him. The righteous. So, again, what you need to realize is that studies have shown that children usually do not surpass the spiritual maturity of their parents. Right? So that means that if you train your child spiritually, who knows it might come up here, maybe even go beyond, who knows. But 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 if you don't put the time or the emphasis or the priority on it, they're going to be down here. Right? And again, I just <laughs> I just want to say this is a very imperfect world. And we need to get away from this perfection orientation of being a parent or whatever role it is because it doesn't work. It's just a lot of frustration because you're never going to be perfect. But you can ask God to continue to work your way toward being more Christ-like and growing in the different things that we've talked about today. Now, the next thing about effective parenting, you need to lead your family. Lead your family. Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You see, that's important. So think about this, dads, if you asked your child what was the most important thing to you outside of their relationship with you, what would they say? Oh, man, NFL, yeah. My dad lives for the NFL. He's part of three fantasy leagues, and he's always talking about it. Where we're watching games together. Your children can tell what's most important to you. And your responsibility is to make God the most important to you. And the children will see that. And, and the idea here is that you're raising children, okay, and you're... Uh, training them how to be godly. And that means it's going to affect your grandchildren. It affects your grandchildren. Now, this is always very motivating because you think, wow, if I just commit myself to be a godly person, let God really work in my heart and let my life reflect it, my kids are more likely to bring up my grandkids in a way to follow God. And then the next generation, very interesting. Uh, my uh, my great grandfather lived in Chicago here, and in 1918 uh, he met my grandfather, and they had a talk across uh, the fence. Or maybe uh, my great grandfather to this neighbor, and uh, so the neighbor shared Jesus Christ with him, and my grandpa Paul Woods became uh, a Christian and everything that's happened in the Harrison family has been deeply impacted by that one conversation i my myself and my two brothers are in ministry not that that's i mean that's just one thing god calls you a two but uh you know i've seen it and i think my i'm just really passionate about this Now, I'm not saying you're not coming to church enough or anything like that. I see us going into the future with unbelievable changes and values in our culture and it becoming more difficult to live the Christian life, really, even to the point of persecution. I mean, significant persecution. I don't know, the next 70 years. I mean, look how far we've come in just 20 years in regards to some of the changes. That have gone on. And I. (laughs) If I could talk with you each individually. I just say. Oh please. Please. Invest in your kids. Train them in godliness. You walk with God. Because your life will be better. Their life will be better. And they'll be connected to the creator. The one who made them. So it's just a personal thing. It's kind of like, please don't get into the habit of coming to church twice a month. Because your, need, your kids need to come every week. And and again, I mean, some parents throughout the years, You know, I mean, when you get into some of these leagues, man, you obey what they say, right? You've got to be in this practice. You're not in this practice. You can't play. Oh, okay. Well, we'll be in this practice. We'll be over here. Yeah. They will do anything the coach says. Why? to coach God? Well, no, look what God has to say to you. He says, "Train your children in godliness, and we should respond in the same way. We need to do it. We need to be here. We need to train our children throughout the week and uh yeah, it's just really important to me. I just it's, the trends in the evangelical church are very disturbing in terms of church engagement, and uh, we all need to grow in that. Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Now, we get a lot of head knowledge, right, about the commands in the Bible. But God wants it to be heart knowledge, to move the greatest distance, 18 inches, to your heart. I mean, to really own this like you own other things. In your life, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, that's a a general proverb. It's a general promise. It doesn't guarantee that your children are going to follow God. But I'll tell you what, I've seen a lot of families throughout the years, and those families that make the disciple making family a priority in their lives. A greater percentage of their kids still attend church today, and uh, yeah, it makes a difference. It's interesting that word "train" is for a Hebrew midwife and how she would take the newly born infant and to take some um, dates, crushed dates, and to put it on the palate of the child and also you know around the gum area because it created. A thirst, it created a desire to fill that something with, so they would normally or hopefully would um, breastfeed from their mother. So the idea of training is creating a desire in someone. It's really vision casting. It's saying your life can be like this if you do these things. My wife has taught piano for twenty five years. God bless her. <laughs> I've got so immune to it, I can kind of study sometimes when the piano lessons are going on, but the same songs over and over and over and over again. I love it at the end of the lesson or before the lesson. Did you practice this? The kid goes, no. Yeah. well, where are the check marks that you're supposed to put there when you practice it? I don't know. She has to give all these pep talks saying, hey, I'm trying to train you in piano. This is what you need to do. You need to practice at home. But what's the one thing that is going to make that child practice regularly? Who is it? This mom or dad, right? Because they have a vision for their child. that The child can't see at this particular point. They're trying to give them the gift of music. And that's the nature of everything in life. We're so busy. We as parents have to have a laser focus on helping our kids to become Christ followers and people who seek after God. Deuteronomy 6-7. So Moses is saying, impress these commands on your children. Talk about them. Really, when you think about uh, training your children in godliness, you can do it every day. Every day. Right? There's all kinds of situations that come up. In fact, I think one of the easiest things you can do is if a child or a teenager comes to you with a problem, you say, hey, let's pray about this. And every time you pray with that child, I don't want any prayer. I'll pray for you anyway. Right, and you just keep reminding them, "Hey, God is." When you encounter a challenge, you go immediately to God. That's the best move you can make, and that's what we do here in the Harrison family, or your family. you teach teaching the God is really, really important. For well, those teachable moments that come up when a child is struggling with with something boy, I tell you, they are open and impressionable. And that word impress, it means to deeply imprint something, uh, to penetrate something, to make something sharp. Uh, sharp kids spiritually. When you sit at home, dinner devotions. Now, years past, uh, a lot of families who were disciple-making families, they would have devotions uh, after the meal at night. Uh, and I would really encourage you to do that. Uh, there's a great uh, grade school devotional called, called uh, Keys for Kids, keysforkids.com. And I tell you what, it's great material. I'd recommend it to anyone. And they'll email it to you. And, but that's something to get started with in terms of spending time. Because, again, your major responsibility is to disciple a child of God once they make that decision. That's your most Important responsibilities as a parent to make sure that that child learns from the word, that child learns to live as a Christian, that that child realizes the supernatural power that they can experience when they're experiencing difficulties. And when you walk along the road, now this is like when you're driving, some walk, but <laughs> yeah. So I, you know. When my kids came out and everybody wanted to be in the front seat, I called, I called. (laughs) I said, "Okay, if you're going to be in the front seat, you've got to talk to me. (laughs) Really? Yes. Yes. I'll ask you questions. I'll tell you about myself. But we have to communicate. Many times parents step back from that interchange with their children because they become afraid. Afraid of what the kids are going to think or what they're going to say, and you're so tired of dealing with their attitude. Oh, I know some of you today are so tired of being parents. <laughs> you are just overwhelmed, but God is there for you. Another thing, you realize, is it's never too late. And sometimes people will sit there and mess, "Oh, we didn't do that with our kids. We didn't do that with our kids." Well, now is the time to start. As I, uh, when my kids are older now, I realized, which I already knew, that you're always a parent. <laughs> you're always a parent. In fact, Lori, my wife, was uh, helping my son Brian and his wife Katie move down uh, to a new place this past weekend. I don't know what you're. Relationship was like with your parents. Obviously, it's across the board. Some very, very sad stories. God blessed me with a great relationship with my parents. I know that's a gift. And my mom died in 2003. My dad died in 2013. And after they died... I felt lost. I felt lost. I could always call my mom and dad. I could always call them, but I couldn't call them anymore. Being a parent is so important in a child's life. And it goes for the extent of the parent's life. Yeah. It's so important. Appreciate your parents when you have them around. The whole role of grandparents, we could do another message on that. Uh, But that's a significant role. And because of our, (laughs) we move around so much, many times we're not by grandparents. But if you can't get by grandparents, that's a wise spiritual thing to do. And when you lie down, unless you you lie down with your kids, because you've got their attention, they want to stay up. And the only way they can stay up is talk with you. (laughs) So they'll be talkative, hopefully, right? I just love laying there, hugging them loving on them and uh, praying together. What a beautiful time to, to form a child's spiritual life. And when you get up, yeah, you pray all the day. You teach children that prayer is not some memorized thing that they've got to do. Uh, to get good points with God. No, you teach them it's a relationship. And you talk to God just like you would talk to them. And there's so many adults who have great fear of praying out loud. And I know that's very common. People don't want to speak out loud, especially in a language they don't know. <laughs> but there's no prayer language, right? So you should be praying with your children just like everyday conversation. Because you're you're teaching them who God is. You are an example of who God is. And therefore, you need to be attentive in that way. There are so many things you can train your children in to manage God's money. Yep. You start out and say, listen, this stuff isn't yours. You've just been given it to a certain, for to, to trust you, uh, to spend on behalf of God. So first of all, you're going to acknowledge that God is number one in your life and Great place to start at the tithe of your income. 10% of your income. 10% of your allowance. I just remember when we talked to the boys about that in the past, they said, huh, what? Really? But I was just amazed how they picked that up. Because we taught it. And I I give so much credit to my wife, uh, Lori. Uh, Boy, I tell you, what a great mother. What a great spiritual trainer. She gets much more... Um, yeah, she did a lot more than I did. Uh, they are both very important. To carefully select friends. Oh yeah, you want to do that? You want to watch up? They get wrong. That was always my fear that my kids would get involved in the wrong group that would influence them in a negative way. That's what the Bible says. You got to be careful who you hang around with. So we'd have the kids over to our house and we get to know them. And sometimes we said, I don't think you'll be seeing Jimmy anymore (laughs) because you know the kid is a bad influence right he's on the web going every way and Allison's his language and his values again God loves Jimmy but Jimmy doesn't have to be a part of our life right now because I'm training you in discipleship to watch their words oh mercy now this is where they copy you (laughs) what you say right so again, you need to be pure in that area of your life. To be responsible. Well, that's a lot of parenting, right? You're teaching them how to move into adult life with the, with the responsibilities that are there and also uh, with, uh, with the privileges there are to guard their minds. This is really a significant issue, as you know, with pornography and the Internet. Uh, it's just out of control. I mean... Just think of yourself as a 15-year-old boy, and you have that kind of access. Yeah. It's a really a problem. And I, I tell you what, as my kids grew up, because it's tempting to any kid. And, and so I would try to find the best software that would monitor it. And, and you know, Google Images is where you have problems. I don't know. Because you get to that and get anywhere. But I heard a, one guy mentioned there was something made... I believe by Walt Disney, that you can put on your router and it controls everything that flows through. So if you're looking for that, it's the Disney thing. Just put that on your search web browser. Uh, To be generous, to fear God. To fear God. I want to thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Anita back there. She had all my three boys go through her. Class, thank you, Anita. Uh, Yeah, three boys, Brian, Wesley, and Tommy. And I believe they're 26, 24, and 22. And each one of them are in church today. I know that for sure. Some engage more than others. But I mean, again... Think of uh, Brian and Wesley with their wives. They really are engaged in a church. Now, I'm not doing this to brag in any way. It's only by the grace of God. But I'll tell you what. Lori and I followed these commands through the power of God and we trained our children in godliness and we see the difference today. Again, they're growing. They're not perfect, perfect. no. No perfection needed here. The idea is, is they're going in the right direction? Now, I think about my kids' marriages. So what's going to be most impacting on my kids' marriages? that they were a great uh, student or a great whatever? Or that we took time to build character into our children? God's character in our children. And, again, that's what we're here for as a disciple-making family. Uh, when we uh, started the church, uh, let's see, Brian was five, and I think Wesley was two or three, and Tommy was born the year before we started the church. And we couldn't have done it without you. Hey, I'm a pastor. I can take care of my kids. I'll just I'll just discipleship at home. They don't need any help. <laughs> That's what the disciple making family is all about. It's to help you raise your children. Come on to I and, and those high school groups and, and just in general relationships. It's just funny how each of our kids have built relationships with people we're still attending this church, you know, that have really been special in their lives and has given them an example of what it means to walk with God. And again, I want to thank all of you had a role in their life. And that's, oh, the church is the best thing on earth for many reasons. But when it comes to raising a child, oh, it's critical. And we made sure our kids went every week. And sometimes they didn't want to go. And I said, well, <laughs> we tried to talk through it. But, hey, again, you know, just like school, you got to learn and grow. It might not be the most fun thing you did. Now. For some of you, maybe, you don't know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here for the first time or been coming for a while. And, and you see, parenting, the way I've described, is not possible without a relationship with God. Look at John 3, 16, For God so loved the world. You know, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. He collects your tears in a bottle. He counts the number of hairs that you have on your head. God loves you and He wants to have a relationship with you because of Adam and Eve and the fact that they sin. Sin is, again, throughout all the nations. And uh, we're sinful. And the problem with that is God is holy and He cannot have a relationship with a sinful person. So what are we to do? Well, I tell you, God loved us so much, He sent His own Son to this earth to live and to die for us. As He hung on that cross, He was dying for your sin and my sin because we deserve judgment for our sin. But God didn't want that to happen, so He sent Jesus Christ to die for our sin. Your sin, my sin, everybody in the past, everybody in the future. And He says, hey, please, Come into relationship with me. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. Now, here's something we need to remember. Many times when we think about our salvation, we say, oh, I'm going to heaven. And you miss the whole period of (laughs) walking with God here on earth, right? If we're going to teach the true gospel, it says, yeah, you are going to heaven. But God wants you to walk with him and he wants to help you and he wants to equip you. In order to live this messy life in the best way you can through His power. Now that's exciting, right? That's why a lot of people, you know, they come to Christ, they make the commitment, and then they just kind of check out. Well, <laughs> that's the time to grow, and that's why we here at Springbrook are so, uh, put so much, of us, put so much emphasis on discipleship, especially for new Christians. Yeah, God wants to have a relationship. With you. you know, I talk to many people and I say, you think you're going to heaven when you die? Why? <laughs> and I say, well, I hope so. Or no, no possible way God will take me. Or, <laughs> well, sure, I'm going to heaven. And it all goes back to this issue of good works, which again is a part of every human religion, uh, that, apart from Christianity. It's all about what you do i got to earn my way to heaven. And that is not the case. God has said your sins are like filthy rags. When you come to God, you have to come to Him and say, God, I have nothing. I have no good works. I have no track record or anything like that. But that's because I'm a sinner and I need uh, your salvation. And so God loved the world in order that we might believe. You might say, well, how does a person become a Christ follower? Well, this is a faith commitment purchase, an example of biblical principles that are drawn out here. And it's just you're saying yes to God, right? Well, Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. That works is really critical uh, in our area especially that they know it's not because of their good works. But maybe you're here today, and the Holy Spirit's moving in your life, and you say, I want to say that, I want to give my life to Christ. I want my sins forgiven. I want the Holy Spirit to come into me. I want to grow as a Christ follower. I want my kids to be trained in godliness. Let's just take a moment to pray. And you can silently pray this if you feel so led. If you've done it before, you don't need to have to do it again. Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. Amen. That changes your life, doesn't it? Well, yeah, let's pray. Everybody, Father, I want to thank you. Uh, for this time that we've been able to study Your Word, oh, how precious it is to learn from Your Word, of the Holy Spirit speak to us, especially about raising children. Oh, Lord, You know how great the challenge is. That's why You were so specific in what You wanted us to do in helping our children to be godly. Thank You for this disciple-making family. We're all working together to be more like you, and we have to be patient with each other. But thank you that it can be a place where kids can grow up and they can learn the most important thing in life is not academics or anything else. It's my walk with God. In Christ's name, amen.